0: chapter 17 of the string of pearls this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the string of pearls author unknown chapter 17 the great change in the prospects of sweeney todd as sweeney todd's object as far as the money lenders having seen the carriage was fully answered he had no objection to enter the house which he accordingly did at once, being preceded by John Mundle, who became each moment more and more impressed with the fact, as he considered it, that his guest was some person of very great rank and importance in the society. He ushered him into a splendidly furnished apartment, and after offering him refreshments, which Sweeney Todd politely declined, he waited with no small degree of impatience for his visitor to be explicit with regard to the object of his visit. "'I should,' said Sweeney Todd, have myself accommodated the illustrious lady with the sum of money she requires, but, as I could not do so without encumbering some estates, she positively forbid me to think of it. Certainly, said Mr. Mundle, she is a very illustrious lady, I presume. Very illustrious, indeed. But it must be a condition of this transaction, if you at all enter into it, that you are not to inquire precisely who she is, nor are you to inquire precisely who I am. It's not my usual way of conducting business, but if everything else be satisfactory, I shall not cavil at that. Very good. By everything else being satisfactory, I presume you mean the security offered? Why, yes, that is of great importance, my lord. I informed the illustrious lady that, as the affair was to be wrapped up in something of a mystery, the security must be extremely ample. That's a very proper view to take of the matter, my lord. I wonder— thought John Mundell, if he is a duke. I'll call him, Your Grace, next time, and see if he objects to it. Therefore, continued Sweeney Todd, the illustrious lady placed in my hands security to a third greater amount than she required. Certainly, certainly, a very proper arrangement, Your Grace. May I ask the nature of the proffered security? Jewels! Highly satisfactory and unexceptionable security. They go into a small space and do not deteriorate in value— and if they do said the barber deteriorate in value it would make no difference to you for the illustrious person's honour will be committed to their redemption i don't doubt that your grace in the least i merely made that remark incidentally quite incidentally of course of course and i trust before going further that you are quite in a position to enter into this subject certainly i am and i am proud to say to any amount show me the money's worth your grace and i will show you the money that's my way of doing business and no one can say that john mandle ever shrunk from a matter that was brought fairly before him and that he considered worth his going into it was by hearing of such a character of you that i was induced to come to you what do you think of that sweeney Todd took from his pocket with a careless air the string of pearls and cast them down before the eyes of the money-lender who took them up and ran them rapidly through his fingers for a few seconds before he said i thought there was but one string like this in the kingdom and that those belonged to the queen well said sweeney Todd. i humbly beg your grace's pardon how much money does your grace require on these pearls twelve thousand pounds is their current value if a sale of them was enforced eight thousand are required of you on their security eight thousand is a large sum as a general thing i lend but half the value upon anything but in this case to oblige your grace and this illustrious personage i do not of course hesitate for one moment but shall for one month lend the required amount that will do said sweeney todd scarcely concealing the exultation he felt at getting so much more from john Mundell than he expected and which he certainly would not have got if the money-lender had not been most fully and completely impressed with the idea that the pearls belonged to the queen and that he had actually at length majesty itself for a customer he did not suppose for one moment that it was the queen who wanted the money but his view of the case was that she had lent the pearls to this nobleman to meet some exigency of his own and that of course they would be redeemed very shortly Altogether, a more pleasant transaction for John Mundell could not have been imagined. It was just the sort of thing he was looking out for, and had the greatest satisfaction in bringing to a conclusion, and he considered it was opening the door to the highest class of business in his way that he was capable of doing. "'In what name, your grace?' he said. "'Shall I draw a check upon my banker?' "'In the name of Colonel George.' "'Certainly, certainly. And if your grace will give me acknowledgment for—' eight thousand pounds and please to understand that at the end of a month from this time the transaction will be renewed if necessary i will give you a cheque for seven thousand five hundred pounds why seven thousand five hundred pounds only when you mentioned eight thousand pounds the five hundred pounds is my little commission upon the transaction your grace will perceive that i appreciate highly the honour of your grace's custom and consequently charge the lowest possible price i can assure your grace i could get more from my money by a great deal but the pleasure of being able to meet your grace's view is so great that i am willing to make a sacrifice and therefore it is that i say five hundred when i really ought to say thousand pounds taking into consideration the great scarcity of money at the present juncture and i can assure your grace that peace peace said sweeney todd give me the money and if it be not convenient to redeem the jewels at the end of a month from this time you will hear from me most assuredly i am quite satisfied of that said john Mundle, and he accordingly drew a cheque for seven thousand five hundred pounds which he handed to sweeney todd who put it in his pocket not a little delighted that at last he has got rid of these pearls even at a price so far beneath their real value I need scarcely urge upon you, Mr. Mundell, he said, the propriety of keeping this affair profoundly secret. Indeed, you need not, your grace, for it is part of my business to be discreet and cautious. I should very soon have nothing to do in my life, your grace, may depend, if I were to talk about it. No, this transaction will for ever remain locked up in my own breast, and no living soul but your grace, and I need to know what has occurred. With this john Mundell showed sweeney todd to his carriage with abundance of respect and in two minutes more he was travelling along towards town with what might be considered a small fortune in his pocket we should have noticed earlier that sweeney todd had upon the occasion of his going to sell the pearls to the lapidary in the city made some great alterations in his appearance so that it was not likely he should be recognized again to a positive certainty For example, having no whiskers whatever of his own, he had to put on a large black pair of false ones, as well as mustachios, and he had given some colour to his cheeks likewise, which had so completely altered his appearance that those who were most intimate with him would not have known him except by his voice, and that he took great care to alter in his intercourse with John Mundell, so that it should not become a future means of detection. I thought that this would succeed, he muttered to himself as he went towards town, and I have not been deceived. For three months longer, and only three, I will carry on business in Fleet Street, so that any sudden alteration in my fortunes may not give rise to suspicion. He was then silent for some minutes, during which he appeared to be revolving some very naughty question in his brain, and then suddenly— well well as regards tobias i think it will be safer unquestionably to put him out of the way by taking his life than to try to dispose of him in a madhouse and i think there are one or two more persons whom it will be highly necessary to prevent being mischievous at all events at present i must think i must think when such a man as sweeney todd set about thinking there could be no possible doubt that some serious mischief was meditated and any one who could have watched his face during the ride home from the money-lenders would have seen by its expression that the thoughts which agitated him were of a dark and a desperate character and such as anybody but himself would have shrunk from aghast but he was not a man to shrink from anything and on the contrary the more a set of circumstances presented themselves in a gloomy and a terrific aspect the better they seemed to suit him and the peculiar constitution of his mind there can be no doubt but that the love of money was the predominant feeling in sweeney todd's intellectual organization and that by the amount it would bring him or the amount it would deprive him of he measured everything with such a man then no question of morality or ordinary feeling would arise and there can be no doubt but that he would quite willingly have sacrificed the whole human race if by doing so he could have achieved any of the objects of his ambition and so on his road homeward he probably made up his mind to plunge still deeper into criminality and perchance to indulge in acts that a man not so deeply versed in iniquity would have shrunk from with the most positive terror and by a strange style of reasoning such men as we need all reconcile to themselves to the most heinous crimes upon the ground of what they call policy that is to say that having committed some serious offence they are compelled to commit a great number more for the purpose of endeavouring to avoid the consequences of the first lord and hence the continuance of criminality becomes a matter necessary to self-defence and an essential ingredient in the consideration of self-preservation probably sweeney todd had been for the greater part of his life aiming at the possession of extensive pecuniary resources and no doubt by the aid of a superior intellect and a mind full of craft and design he had managed to make others subservient to his views and now that those views were answered and that his underlings and accomplices were no longer required they became positively dangerous he was well aware of that cold-blooded policy which teaches that it is far safer to destroy than to cast away the tools by which a man carves his way to power and fortune they shall die said sweeney Todd. dead men tell no tales nor women nor boys either and they shall all die after which there will i think be a serious fire in fleet street Ha ha it may spread to what mischief it likes always provided it stops not short of the entire destruction of my house and premises rare sport rare sport will it be to me for then i will at once commence a new career in which barber will be forgotten and the man of fashion only seen and remembered for with his last addition to my means i am fully capable of vying with the highest and the noblest let them be who they may this seemed a pleasant train of reflections to sweeney todd and as the coach entered fleet street there sat such a grim smile upon his countenance that he looked like some fiend in human shape who had just completed the destruction of a human soul then when he reached the livery stables to which he directed them to drive instead of to his own shop he rewarded all who had gone with him most liberally so that the coachman and the footman who were both servants out of place would have no objection for sweeney todd every day to have gone on some such expedition so that they should receive as liberal wages for the small part they enacted in it as they did upon that occasion he then walked from the stables towards his own house but upon reaching there a little disappointment awaited him for he found to his surprise that no light was burning and when he placed his hand upon the shop door it opened but there was no trace of tobias although he sweeney Todd, called loudly upon him the moment he set foot within the shop then a feeling of great approbation crept across the barber and he groped anxiously about for some matches by the aid of which he hoped to procure a light and then an explanation of the mysterious absence of tobias but in order that we may in its proper form relate how it was that tobias had had the daring thus an open Contradiction of his master to be away from the shop, we must devote to Tobias a chapter which will plead his extenuation. End of chapter 17.